you go on vacation and you come back more tired than you left. Anybody been there? Anybody ever, as you were coming back, had the thought before you're going to work, I need a vacation from my vacation? Yeah, well, you know why we say that. It's because you don't rest on vacation. And really, rest doesn't come from vacation. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying don't go on vacation. Do that. But, but really, the purpose of vacation uh, is really to build memories with those that you love. Um, but, but, you know, when you think about it, it's like, like if you're going to get rest on a vacation... All right, so I'm going to drive an hour or so through the Dallas traffic to get to my airport. Then I'm going to spend however many hours in the airport waiting for the flight. And if everything works out well, your plane takes off on time. Anybody spent hours in a plane waiting? Holy moly, that is just terrible. And so then you fly hours to get to a place so you can take a nap? So that you get rest? No, you do stuff. And then you come back tired from that. And then you got to go through all that rigmarole and all that travel. And you get home and you're just tired. Look, rest is not going to come from vacation. Real rest. I'm going to tell you the secret to rest for all you tired folks. All right? Real rest is to be found in the purposes of that Jesus puts in you. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, we think that we need rest for our bodies or rest for our minds, but in Jesus, you can find rest at the deepest level, rest for your soul. And when you find rest for your soul, you can be in the midst of working hard and still be at rest. See, rest doesn't come from vacation or weekend get getaways. True rest comes from Christ and being where he has created you to be, doing what he created you to do, working from the power that he provides. See, you... you you see, you can be where God wants you to be, working and serving where he's called you to be, but, but you can be working all from your own strength, and you end up tired. But when you abide in Christ, with, with him being the vine and you being the branch, then he becomes your source, and you get to experience what's promised in Isaiah chapter 40. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Rest comes from abiding in Christ and being where he's purposed you to be. So how do you discover where God has purposed you to be? I'll tell you. You discover God's purpose for your life on the road called faith. And you discover it one step at a time. Last week, we learned about a man named Enoch who walked with, he walked the path of faith. He was a man who walked with God. Genesis 5 tells us about Enoch. It doesn't tell us much about him other than he walked with God and that he did not see death. Genesis 5, 24. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. In the New Testament, 
we're told a little bit more about Enoch. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You see, Enoch believed that a relationship with God was good for him. He believed that God's ways were better than his own. He believed that there was something better for him that by walking with this loving and relational and holy God, that that life would be better. And Enoch got to go to heaven without experiencing death. I mean, what a reward. Only two people in the whole history of man, of billions of people who have lived on this earth, have been able to pass into the eternal without going through the doorway of death. Enoch walked with God. There's this wonderful theme woven throughout all of Scripture that shows us how God wants us to relate to him. In the Garden of Eden, we're told that Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. God tells us through the prophet Micah, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. See, walking with another implies relationship. When the Bible gives us this picture of walking with God, it's illustrating for us that, that God desires a relationship with us. If you want to discover God's purpose for your life, you'll, you will discover, you'll discover it within the context of a right relationship with God. And, and in our day and age, it's important to contrast relationship from religion. See, a lot of people pursue religion and miss the relationship. And when that happens, they have a very empty experience. Now, let me illustrate. (sighs) To go through the motions of saying a prayer without actually speaking to God is a very unfulfilling thing. And I know that everyone who's ever led in a public prayer, in a Bible study, or from a stage, that that you've probably done this. You're, You're praying before people. And what you pray is, is meant for their ears, not so much God's. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, okay? Especially to do that occasionally. Jesus did it, all right? If Jesus did it, then, it, then, it, then there's, there's an appropriateness to it. I mean, uh, in John 11, Jesus is praying, and, and uh, he's, he's about to bring Lazarus forth from the grave. It says, so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe you sent me. That's what he's speaking to God. But I'm saying this for their sake in the midst of the prayer. If Jesus does it, then it's okay for you to do it. But if the majority of your prayers are aimed no higher than the people in the room, then that religious activity will become very empty and unfulfilling. Kind of like, the, you remember those old TV commercials for um, uh, Miller Lite? Tastes great, less filling? Some of you are like, well, I got no idea what you're talking about. I go, like, like, at what age does that cut off at? You know, is it 40? Um, 
Look, praying to people looks great, empty, less filling. Name any religious activity when a person does it for the sake of a relationship with God. It's the Lord's Supper, singing, serving, giving. When a person does that, believing that God is the recipient, that God is the one who delights in, in what they're offering, that God hears them, that God sees them, that God will respond according to his wisdom and love for them, that person is always fulfilled. Another person can do the exact same actions. Singing, serving, giving. They're, they're do the, on the surface, it looks exactly the same. But they're not doing it for God. They will always come away feeling empty and wondering what is the point of religion. So God speaks to us through the prophet Micah. He says, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Walking with God is about a relationship. You also need to know that if you're going to walk with God, that means God chooses the direction. There's a huge difference in you walking with God and God walking with you. And if you think about it, do any of us really think that we could somehow force the God of the universe to follow our lead To walk with God means that God leads the way and that you follow in relationship to his lead. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, walking with God also implies movement. See, you can't walk and lie down at the same time, can you? Now, I know some of you are you're thinking, yeah, I can, you know. Like, I could just, I could lay on the ground and move my legs. That's not walking. That's flopping around. And if you were to do that right now, you'd look like a child throwing a tantrum. It kind of makes me wonder, like, does God ever look at us that his children who say with their mouths, yes, I walk with God, but we don't move anywhere. And the reason is because we're just throwing a tantrum here on earth. Walking with God means movement. You don't stay where you are spiritually. God desires you to grow. You're meant to grow in faith, to grow in love, to grow in service, to grow in, in your patience, to grow in hospitality, to grow in generosity. You're, you're meant to walk away from sin and, and move toward godliness. That's, that's why I said at the beginning that the way that you discover God's purpose in life, it's on the road of faith, and you discover it one step at a time. None of us have arrived. All of us have a next step that God wants us to take. To walk with God means that you're going somewhere And to get there, you've got to take the next step. You know, when Jesus called Peter to be a disciple in Matthew 4, it says, while while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. The first thing Jesus says to Peter is, follow me. When you look at the end, Before Jesus goes 
back up to heaven. And he's talking to Peter. In John chapter 21. Starting in verse 19. It says this he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this he said to him. Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against the against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what's that to you? You follow me. He reiterates, follow me to Peter twice at the end. First thing he says to Peter, follow me. Last thing he says to Peter, follow me. He speaks those same words to you and I today. We walk with God by following Jesus one step at a time. Trusting his word as it is written in the Bible. Trusting in his Holy Spirit guiding us from within. I mean, I love the relational imagery of walking, of following. I mean, it demonstrates a truth about Jesus. You see, with Jesus, it's not so much as where you are as it is where you're going. What direction are you headed Are you going the same way he is? Following Jesus, that that serves as the basis of Christian unity. Where where people of all walks of life, from different backgrounds, different, different cultures, that we can all be of one mind and heart because we each follow the same Savior. So oftentimes people think that Christian unity is like a fraternity or a sorority or a club where you're either in or you're out. But with the church, it's not supposed to be, are you in or out? It's about what direction are you headed? That means that we can each be at different places in our walk, but unified. And the step that Jesus wants me to take on the road of faith will very likely be different from the step that he wants you to take. And that's fine. Because even though we're at different places in our spiritual growth, different places in our spiritual maturity, we're still being led by the same Savior. So if you're going to walk the road of faith, walking humbly with your God, what step would God lead you in today? Micah 6.8 He's told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. I love the context of this verse. The sixth chapter of Micah, it's laid out like a a courtroom drama where God is pleading his case and the prophet Micah is acting as God's lawyer. And he's pleading his case against his people. And all of creation is set to make the judgment on this. And there's this sort of this back and forth uh, in this chapter where, where the Lord appeals to his people with tenderness and emotion, citing as many acts of grace toward them. And at one point, God even asked his people that he asked them, is what he expects out of them just too much? Look, Micah 6.3, he says, Oh, my people, what have I done to you? Have I wearied you? Answer me. You know, we're not much different from the people of the Bible. We... We relate to God on our own terms. We, we think it's too much to worship God on a regular basis. I was told recently of a person who after attending a, 
church event stated, well, that ought to be good enough for several months. Do you know anyone who thinks like that? Do you think like that? We're not much different from the people of old. We see no problem with being outwardly religious, but inwardly sinful. So God asks, have I not been good to you? Do my commands wear you out? And the people, they give a response. And it's uh, kind of surprisingly forthright with God. They say at verse 6, they say, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I, shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a, a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams and ten thousand of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? It's, it's like they're saying, what is it, God? It, it's, it's never enough. What, what, what do I have to do to please you? Is it burnt offerings? Do I need to just give you burnt offerings? How about, how about a thousand burnt offerings? How about, how about a thousand rams, God? Would that be enough? Is that finally enough? What about, what about rivers? Thousands of rivers of oil. Would that please you, God? Is that, nothing's ever enough with you. What about if I give my firstborn son? Would that please you, God? What is it going to be, God? Now, we've given you our stuff. We've given you time. What is it? And that's when he speaks to the prophet. Verse 8. He's told you, old man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. God says it's not stuff. If you're counting the seconds that you've given to me, then you've missed the point entirely. I don't need your stuff. It's about a right relationship with me. And this is nothing new. I, I, I want you to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with me. To do justice. To do what's right. Do, do what is right by God. Do what is right by your fellow man. Be fair. Be honest. If it's owed, pay it. If it needs to be done, do it. If it belongs to God, give it. What, what, what is justice toward God? The God who's given more to us than any of us deserve. What is right in our relationship with him? Do justice. What's right toward your fellow man? What, 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 is, what is fair? What is good? What's deserving? Do that. But then he says, but while you do justice... Know that the heart of your God is redemption. God is just. There's always a consequence. Uh, A man reaps what he sows. But while God has ample reason to judge and punish, God's heart is to restore. And he wants our heart to be like his. So let consequences come as they should, but rejoice when kindness is given. Rejoice when mercy is bestowed. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. A lot of people come to church with an attitude of, God, you owe me. God, I did you a favor because I came to church. God, I did you a favor to pray and to tell you what I think you ought to do. That's not how you walk with God. You don't come before God with an attitude of, you owe me. You come humbly. 
If you come to church, come the right way with an attitude of gratefulness. Grateful that you can come and be in his presence among his people. If you're going to pray, pray the right way. Pray with an attitude of gratefulness that God would even listen to you. And finally, humility, it's more than an attitude. To be humble is to live your life in faithful obedience to God. To say, to be humble is basically to say, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to walk your path on your terms. I'm going to walk and I'm not going to argue with you, God. I'm not going to argue over your will or your ways. I'm just going to simply yield to it. So as you walk the road of faith in humility, what step may God be leading you to take today? Is your step to do justice? Maybe it's to make things right between you and someone else. To Maybe it's to make things right between you and God. Is your step to love kindness? To be merciful to someone? To be a part of someone's redemption story? Is your step to grow in a new way? Maybe to step up your game in serving God's kingdom? Is your step to stop relating to God on your terms and commit to walking with Him on His terms? What step would he lead you in today? My prayer is that everyone here today would walk from this place humbly with their God, taking the steps that he's leading you to take. Your step's not going to be the same as mine, but there's only one Savior. And if you're going to walk with him, it's the same Savior. What step would he lead you in today? Father God, we just ask you now to speak to us with that still small voice from your heart to ours. We're we're open. We're asking God, is there a specific step You want us to take a step of faith to walk with you. Where where you are leading and we are following. God, with the amount of people here today, I know there's many different steps to take. God, if there's one who needs to take that first step of faith for salvation, would you make that clear to them? And call to them. And say come. Give your life to me. And be saved. Others God our steps have to be in regards to obedience. I would imagine there might be some here. That they know what you would have been leading them to do. And they've been resistant. It might be fear. It might be stubbornness. God, I just pray that today you would help them lay those things aside and that they would follow in in your ways. God, I know there's some here today that you would want them to step into an arena of personal growth. to, To do things again that would beckon them 
into becoming more like your son Jesus to, to seek you out in your word, to seek you out in relationship to others. Father, your son taught us that the way people would know that we belong to you is by loving each other. And that's pretty impossible to do in isolation. Father, I pray for the one that you're speaking to to get into a relational and biblical-based situation so that they can grow. God, I pray for those here who you're calling today to step up your, their game, to give more than they've given before, to, to in faith, to trust that you would use them. They know they're not perfect and they, that holds them back. And God, that, that they could just entrust that, that you're bigger than any flaw or, or failing they might have and that you've given us a, a book full of failed leaders that you've used effectively. You'll do the same with them. God, may we hear your heart today and respond in obedience. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that because of what he did for us on the cross, we can walk with you, a holy and perfect God, covered in his righteousness. We pray these things in his name. Amen.